0: the following is a sermon from faith troy a church located in troy michigan for more information and more audio and video content go to www.faithtroy.org
1: several uh years ago uh, my wife was uh, diagnosed with cancer and um you know uh, i i think it was that you know that experience when you're dealing with you know um, we have a young family and young kids and, and dealing with, you know, their um, reaction and their coping, you know, with a cancer diagnosis in the family for, you know, with their mother and, and myself with, um, you know, my wife, um, was a very difficult time and uh, there was just a lot of support um, from the uh, people here at Faith for, to meet, you know, the needs that we had um, and the concerns we had about the diagnosis and the treatment um, that my wife went through. Um, to get past that uh, diagnosis, but especially our small group. Um, The small group ministry and our small group that have been together for a number of years, um, you know, really at that point, you know, really strengthened you know, our faith. Um, They were there for, you know, for prayer, for support, for really anything that we needed. Um, You know, our small group was there for us and that was just a tremendous moment for us seeing the power of Jesus working through faith. And I think all you know, all that all that help from the people of faith and from our small group, you know, got us through that period of time. Um, it's been about seven years now since her diagnosis, and um, you know, my wife is you know cancer-free, which is which has just been an awesome gift, you know, from God. Um, and really, uh, getting through that period of time uh, was would be really difficult if we didn't have our small group to uh, to help us. You know, I'll say over the years, I feel a, um, a very strong sense of belonging here at, at Faith Lutheran Church through the children's ministries and the sports ministries and small group that, you know, both me and my family um, have really felt welcomed and feel like we belong here uh, and feel like faith is our church home. Um, and that, during those times and those ministry opportunities, I think we've felt a sense of um, um, strengthening our belief and strengthening our faith and I think I'm transitioning to that, um, to that point in which I'm gonna hopefully become maybe something a little bit different. I'm gonna be someone who serves, and s- serves instead of being, being served and someone who can, again, bring Christ to um, either people that don't know him or strengthen, those, um, strengthen the faith of people who already have a belief in Jesus and to, you know, to grow that faith like it's grown for me through being served here um, over the years. Um, and I think as I transitioned again, looking for how I'm going to spend my time in the future, I think being able to serve others versus being served um, you know, just really spoke to my heart and how I was going to spend my time. I'm not really sure exactly how, um, how God's going to use me in that regard. I know that um, by helping people that he'll you know, show me how he's using me. Um, so this is a little bit of a shift for me. It's a little bit different and a little more difficult. Um, because I don't necessarily have the answers, I don't have a plan. I'm just looking for a way for God to use me to, you know, to further his kingdom, to create relationships um, with people who maybe don't know Jesus uh, here at Faith. Um, But spending my time this way, serving God in a way that I'm not really sure, you know, how he wants to use me or where I can plug in here at Faith, um, you know, that's, that's a new experience for me. Um, you know, not, not knowing exactly what to do or how to do it, but still being willing and able to, um, to um, serve others, you know, and bring that relationship to them the same way that I've experienced it here at Faith.
0: So today is our final message in this series that we've been in for these last several weeks called You're Invited, and throughout this series what we've been doing As we've been looking at how it is that as a church, we can be very, very intentional about the mission that God has actually given to us to to make disciples in our world. And we've been doing that by looking at three specific words, that these words belong, believe, and become— And understanding how it is that these words, how they actually shape and form the strategy that God has given to us to actually accomplish that that mission and see that being lived out within this place in the lives of people. Now, if you were here with us last week and then you were here and you heard Pastor RJ, he took us into Luke chapter 5, where we got to see in the scriptures themselves where these three words were actually lived out in the life of a single individual, and that really gave to us a great picture to understand. Understand how, how we, how you and I, how we can actually be disciples who, who go and make more disciples. And over these past seven weeks that we've been together, you've heard the, had the opportunity to hear a, a variety of stories. You've heard all kinds of different stories about how people's lives have been touched or how, how God has used someone in this church to touch the life uh, uh, of someone else. How, how God has actually worked through you, through Jesus and through our church to impact the lives of people here and outside of this place. And today, as we wrap up our series together, I want to focus our attention on one very, very critical factor. In fact, it's so important for us to, to focus our attention on this because, because this is the one thing that actually can stop everything that we've been talking about together over these last seven weeks. This is the one thing that can stop everything that we've seen, everything that we've experienced, and everything that we hope to experience as a church as God continues to work to impact the lives of people both inside and outside of this place. And that one thing is me. You see, the problem is I've always found the idea of me to be really compelling. Now, now you, you're interesting right? But me, see, that's compelling. And the truth is, you probably feel the same way, don't you? Of course you do, right? Because it's always easy to make decisions when the goal is all about me, right? What do I want? What do I need? What what are my preferences? What are the things that I like? What are my hopes? What are my dreams? And the truth is, I mean, there really are. There are some great benefits for me when it comes to following Jesus. I mean, I'm going to be a better father, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm naturally going to be a much more generous person. But see, the truth is that what we ultimately all discover as followers of Jesus is that if we're really following Jesus, then it can't just all really be about me, can it? That at some point, what every single one of us what we discover as a follower of Jesus is that if I'm really following Jesus then it can't just be about me. If I'm really following Jesus, then there's more to following than simply consuming. Take out your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter 8. Now, it's in Mark chapter 8. If you're using one of our Bibles in the seat back in front of you or behind you, it's on page 1566. And it's in Mark chapter 8, actually at verse 27, that we see Jesus and he's gathered together and there's a crowd of people uh, a little bit away from him, but right next to him he's got his 12 apostles, his 12 closest followers, and he gathers his 12 together and he asks them a question. It's a very interesting question and Jesus asks them this. He says, who do people say that I am? And see, the truth is, that's one of those questions, you've got to be very careful who you ask that question of, because you may not necessarily want to hear what it is that they have to say to you. But Jesus, he knows that these people in the towns and the villages that he's been visiting, he knows that they've been talking about him. And so he asks his 12 closest followers, hey, what are people saying about me? What are are they talking about about me out there? And And they respond to Jesus, and they tell him in verse 28, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah, and still others say that you are one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asks? What are you? Who do you say that I am? And see, the truth is, that's really the, the only question that matters, isn't it? I mean, that's the question that every single one of us that we have to answer for ourselves. I mean, who do you believe that Jesus really is? Is he a reincarnated prophet? Is he some wise teacher? Is he a messenger of God? Who do you believe that Jesus actually is? And while Jesus' apostles are sitting there and they're thinking about this question and what they might say to Jesus as a response, it's Peter who who raises his hand and right away says, Oh, I know. I know exactly who you are, Jesus. You are the Christ, he says. Now, now Christ is not actually Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. Christ is actually a Greek word for the Jewish word Messiah, and it means the very same thing. It means anointed one. And so Peter is saying to Jesus, Jesus, I know exactly who you are. I mean, you're, you're the one that we've been waiting for, Jesus. You are the Christ. You are the chosen one. You are the anointed one. And then in the very next verse, Jesus does something very strange. And he tells them not to tell anyone else about him. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, Jesus, what's going on? I, I thought that's what we were supposed to do. I thought that was our job. And Jesus says, no, you're right. I mean, this is, you, the, I am the Christ. You're, you're right about that. But it's not the right time for everyone else to hear that yet. And then listen to what happens next. After Jesus just publicly identifies himself as the Christ to his disciples, listen to what he says next in verse 31. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Now, he spoke plainly about this. And Peter, Peter, the one who just publicly identified Jesus as the Son of God, Peter, he actually takes Jesus aside and he begins to rebuke him. So, so you've got to picture this in, in your mind. Jesus is there with his, his 12 closest followers and he tells them, okay, listen, I, I understand that up until this point things have been pretty good for us. But but that's about to change, and I, I want you to understand that. In fact, people are going to kill me. And, and you need to know that things are going to get tough for you a, as my followers. And Peter actually walks up to Jesus and says, Okay, time out, Jesus. We've got to get back on message here. Jesus, do you understand all these people? They all love you, Jesus. Jesus, don't you understand, that These people, there are, everywhere we go, there are crowds of people following you. They all want to join you, Jesus. Jesus, you're famous, and, and in fact, actually, I'm famous too, but Jesus, you're really famous. Jesus, these people, what do you mean people are going to kill you? Nobody's going to kill you, Jesus. They all love you. They, they all want to join you. Jesus, what do you, what do you mean people, people are going to kill you? That, that's not going to happen, Jesus. Remember just a few moments ago? You asked the question, you know, who who do people say that I am? And I said, you're the Christ. And you said, don't tell anyone, which I still don't understand. But Jesus, the point is, you're the Messiah. How is anyone going to kill you? Don't you remember just a couple of weeks ago we're out at the lake? And the wind and the waves? And you told them to calm down and they did? I mean, Jesus, how is anyone going to kill you? Can we, can we please get back on message here for a minute? Or, or maybe, listen, maybe you know what you could do? Maybe in another miracle. That thing you did last week with the bread and the fish, people love that, Jesus. Listen, if you do that for this crowd, I'm telling you, they'll forget all about this whole dying thing. Just, just, just do that miracle. Just do that. Okay, please, please, can we do that, Jesus? Verse 33, but when Jesus turned... And looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. And listen to why he talks this way to to Peter. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, what Jesus says there is really important for us to understand. Jesus is saying to Peter, listen, Peter, you don't have God's concerns in mind right now. You have human concerns in mind right now. Peter, I I want you to be honest with me. It's been good for you to follow me, hasn't it? I mean, sure it has. I mean, you're Peter, right? I mean, you're that guy, you're that fisherman that caught that crazy amount of fish, right, in the middle of the day when you were out fishing, when you're not supposed to go fishing. I I get it, Peter. It's been good for you to actually follow me. But but Peter, see, you're acting like a consumer. You're not acting like like a disciple. See, a consumer, Peter, is actually in this for what it is that they can get out of it. But Peter, see, I want you to be my disciple, which means that you may actually have to go someplace that's not where you want to go. Peter, I might go somewhere that costs you something. And and Peter, I want you to know, I want to know that you're actually going to be with me. And see, the truth is, Peter, this situation, this has kind of exposed something that's that's inside of you, hasn't it? And the truth is, Peter, you're really not concerned about me. You're concerned about about what might happen to you because of me. Then look at what Jesus does next in verse 34. Then Jesus, he calls the crowd over to him, along with the disciples. And he says this, If anyone would come after me, he he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone would come after me, in other words, if anyone wants to be my disciple and not simply a Jesus consumer, not simply a person who says, listen, I, I like to listen to the teachings of Jesus because, you know, they make me a better person. Because life just kind of goes better for me if I do all those things that that Jesus says. My marriage is better, my relationships are better, my family is better. Now, now there certainly are some tremendous benefits for every single one of us in in those areas of life. But Jesus says, listen, if you really want to be my disciple, then I want you to know that that means that from time to time, that, that you, that you're going to actually have to deny yourself now to deny yourself that's not necessarily some big scary theological thing okay the truth is any of us who have ever been on a diet before you know exactly what this means right are you going to have dessert tonight after dinner you want me to supersize that for you right no no I'm going to deny myself there's something that I want But but I know that's not what's best for me, so I'm going to say no to me. I am going to deny myself. And so every single one of us, we understand what that means. And and Jesus says, listen, there are going to be forks in the road. There, There are going to be moments in time. There are going to be situations where what you want for you and what I want for you, Jesus says, are actually going to be different. And in that moment, you have to ask yourself the question, am I simply going to be a consumer or am I going to be a disciple? And if you're going to be a disciple, Jesus says, that means saying no to you in order to follow me. And so Jesus says this to this crowd, and he looks at him and he says, listen, I don't want anyone to say that, well, I, I didn't know that this was part of the deal. I don't want anyone to be surprised by this. If you're going to be my disciple, he says, that means you are going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, when you and I, when we hear the word cross, right, we think of picture. We think of window. We think of sculpture on a table someplace. Right? But when the people listening to Jesus that day, when they heard the word cross, that's not what came into their mind. Because they had actually seen a cross used for what it is intended to be used for. Because Rome actually left crosses out for a very, very long time in order to terrify people into submission. And so Jesus says, You're going to have to take up your cross. And follow me. You've got to believe that people, they were terrified, they were scared to death about what that meant for them. And for the people sitting in the crowd that day listening to Jesus, you know, for a bunch of them, they said, okay, I think this is where I get off this train. I think this is where I say to Jesus, you know, this has been great, Jesus. Love the miracles. Really awesome, amazing. I got to say, never. Never seen anything like the miracles, Jesus. Go with the miracles. But this is, this is it for me, right? I don't, Jesus, if you're, if you're telling me that following you, that that's going to actually cost me something. See, the truth is, Jesus, I, I don't know that I'm ready for that. Jesus, I don't know that I can do that because let, let me be honest with you, Jesus, I just don't really know if it's going to be worth it or not. And so Jesus, he knows the hearts of people, doesn't he? I mean, Jesus, he he knows my heart. And, And Jesus, he knows your heart. I mean, Jesus knows what it is that actually scares us about the idea of following him. He knows what it is that scares us about what it is that we think we might have to give up. What it might actually cost us to follow him. And see, the truth is, if you're honest, it's not that you don't believe, is it? I mean, you just don't want to say no to you, right? I mean, I I get that. I understand that. I do. And Jesus, Jesus actually understood that. And so Jesus looks at all these people on that day listening to him and he says, okay, before you get up and walk out, before you leave because you're so worried about what it is that, that being my disciple is actually going to cost you, what it is that you personally are going to have to give up in order to follow me, Jesus says, and whether or not that's actually worth it. See, there's something else that you need to know. Verse 35. Whoever wants to save their life, right? So that's me. Whoever wants to save their life, Jesus says. So so do you want to save your life, right? Uh, Of course you do. I mean, that's why you exercise, isn't it? I mean, that's why you eat the way that you do? That's why you go and you see the doctor regularly, right? Right? Anyone want to save their life, Jesus says? Everyone says, yes, we do, absolutely all of us. Jesus says, well, whoever wants to save their life is going to lose it. And that's true, isn't it? No matter how much I exercise, no matter how many bad habits I actually break, no matter how many doctor's appointments I go to, no matter how carefully I watch my diet, No matter what I do, one day, I will lose my life. No matter how hard I work to try to save it. And Jesus says this. But whoever, but whoever loses their life for me, whoever loses their life, so that would be all of us, right? That would be everyone So whoever follows me, Jesus says, and in following me, in the course of following me, loses their life, the life that you're going to lose anyway. Whoever follows me and loses something of value, that ultimately they're going to die and leave behind anyway. Whoever follows me, Jesus says, and loses a relationship that's going to end anyway. Loses something that is an opportunity to them that they're going to lose anyway. Loses anything that they would say is life or is is what life is all about. Jesus says anyone who loses that and what they consider to be life as my disciple, as one who is following me, or, he says, for the sake of the gospel, don't miss that, we will save it. See, Jesus says, listen, I understand that what I'm telling you is scaring you right now. But see, you don't really understand what's going on here. Because if if that life that you're trying so hard to desperately save, that life is the life that you are going to lose. But as my disciple, if you lose that life, if in following me you lose that opportunity, if you follow me and in following me you lose that relationship, if you follow me, and you, in following me, you lose that, that thing that is so valuable to you. Jesus says, I want you to know, you were going to lose that anyway. But if you lose it for me, if you lose it because there was a fork in the road, and you had to say no to you, to say yes to me, Jesus says, I'm telling you, you are saving your life. That thing that seems like such a great loss is really no loss at all. Because whatever it is you were going to lose, you are going to lose that anyway, Jesus says. Then he asks a question. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? So Jesus says this. He says, let's play an imaginary game. Let's pretend that you have everything. Let's pretend you have every one. Let's pretend that you have every opportunity. Let's pretend that when people see you, they actually think to themselves, you know, that guy, he has the whole world. When they see you, they actually say to themselves, oh, that woman, she she has got everything that you could ever possibly want. Jesus says, use your wildest imagination, and whatever it is to you, you have all of it. And then at the end of this life, this amazing life that you have, at the end of this life that is, is truly a life beyond compare, Jesus says, what if at the end of that life that you realize that, that, that at the end of this life that every single one of us is going to lose someday, that's filled with all these things that you can't hold on to anyway, what if at the end of that you realize that you forfeit it? you gave up, you gave away, you traded off your very soul. What would you do, Jesus says? Or, verse 37, or what can or what would a person give in exchange for their soul? And so Jesus says, okay, let's look at this from the opposite perspective. Let's, let's assume that you've really had a great life, and you've had a life filled with everything that you could ever hope for or dream for, but now you are at the end of your life, and you realize you are about to go to an eternity where you have exchanged, where you have traded off your soul. What would you give in that moment to get your soul back? And every single person listening that day to Jesus, just like all of us, knows the answer to that question. You would give everything, right? What do I have to do in order to get my soul back at the end of my life? Give up everything I have? No problem. Why? Because I'm going to lose it anyway. And Jesus says this. Look at what you just discovered about yourself. For, for those of you who are so concerned are so afraid about being my disciple because of what it is you think it's going to cost you someday you just made a, a remarkable discovery see you just discovered that you consider your soul to be of more value than any of your possessions you just discovered that you consider to be your soul to be of more value to you than anyone you could date any opportunity that you could possibly have any place that you might go In fact, you consider your soul to be of such great value that you would actually be willing to trade not only all of your current things, but all of your potential things in the future. You would actually trade all of that for your soul, wouldn't you? And that is a life-changing discovery for anyone. But Jesus isn't done yet. And he continues in verse 38, and he says this. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, in other words, Jesus says, okay, from this, this time forward, if any of you, any of you who claim to be my disciples, if any of you, when it gets kind of tough, when you actually have to deny yourself, If all of a sudden you are ashamed of me, or you're ashamed to be associated with me, Jesus says, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And see, the truth is we hear about that all through Scripture, don't we? That one day, every single one of us, individually, personally, that every single one of us one day will actually have to give an account for our lives. Now, if the thought of that, if that scares you, if that kind of ties your stomach up in knots, because you're thinking about your past and about things that you wish you hadn't done, or maybe things that you wish that you would have done, Here's here's what I want you to remember. Who is it in this whole conversation that's actually sitting front and center listening to Jesus? Who is it that prompted Jesus to explain all of this to us? It's Peter, isn't it? Right? It's the very same Peter who who swore that he would never be ashamed of Jesus. The very same Peter who, who swore that he would never leave Jesus. The same Peter who swore that he would fight and die with Jesus until one day a middle school girl points Peter out to a crowd of people and says, hey, there's one of those followers of Jesus. And Peter denies ever even knowing the man. And so if that's a part of your story, like it was a part of Peter's story, see, here's what I want you to know. Jesus forgives you just as Jesus forgave Peter. And in fact, it's not until after Peter denies Jesus, after Jesus forgives Peter, that Jesus actually asks Peter to lead and to care for his own disciples. Because, see, the truth is this. None of us None of us can actually take up our own crosses until we've seen Jesus take up his. So, what's the takeaway of all this? It's simply this. See, salvation is free. Salvation, that actually costs us nothing. The way that you belong to God by placing your faith in in Jesus, that is absolutely free. That costs us nothing because at the cross, Jesus actually paid the price for our sin. But Belonging to the family of God and, and, and having a relationship with God through Jesus, that is absolutely free. There is nothing that you need to do to earn that. All you need to do is believe it. But becoming a disciple of Jesus and following Jesus with with your life and your lifestyle in this generation, becoming a disciple of Jesus and actually following him with your life in this sinful and this adulterous generation, that is eventually going to cost you something. Because at some point in the road, there is going to be a fork that develops. At some point on the journey, there's going to be a conflict of interest that is going to become apparent. And in that moment, there is a decision that you will have to make. And in that moment, as a disciple of Jesus, your conscience is going to come alive and you'll just know. And maybe it won't have anything to do with anybody else. Maybe it'll just be about you. Maybe it'll even be a situation that doesn't matter to anybody else. But you'll know, as a disciple of Jesus, listen, I can't do that. Listen, as a disciple of Jesus, I can't go there. Or as a disciple of Jesus, I really need to go there. As a disciple of Jesus, I can't call that person back. Or or I have to call that person back. And and you're going to know. And it's not going to be easy. And it may mean actually saying no to something that you've wanted or hoped for for your entire life because you always thought that, you know, one day that you, you would. And then when that day actually arrived, you realize that to follow Jesus where Jesus was leading you, that meant saying no to something that you hoped for, maybe even something that you dreamt about for your entire life. Life, And that's never easy. But in that moment, in that moment where you say no to you and you say yes to your Savior, you, you discover something about yourself that you will never be able to discover any other way. You actually discover who and whose you really are. And see, the truth is, as your pastor, that is what I want for every single one of you. Listen, I understand the heartache and the anguish that comes in those moments of life, but as your pastor, I really, truly want that for every single one of you. Because you will discover something about yourself in that moment that you will never be able to understand or discover any other way. I I treasure those moments in, in my past and what it is that Jesus has shown me about who he is and who I am in those moments in my life. And I truly want that for every single one of you. And no, it's not going to be easy. And it may actually mean saying no to something that that you've hoped and wanted and, and looked forward to for a very long time, and that is never easy. And if you're sitting here today and if you happen to find yourself in this moment, I mean, if, if right now you're saying to yourself, listen, I, I can't believe that we're actually talking about this today in church because this is the situation that I'm in. I'm actually in a situation where I cannot say yes to both me and Jesus. Okay, if that's you right now, then let me just take a moment and, and speak to you very clearly for a second because it can't simply be a coincidence that, that you're here and that I'm here and that we're actually having this conversation today. Listen. I know how that feels. I know how this situation feels. I I do, probably more than you understand. And no matter how difficult and emotional the situation feels to you right now in this moment, what you need to remember is this. See, in the future, this is gonna be nothing more than a story that you tell. I mean, that's it. And so the question you've gotta ask yourself is this, what story do I wanna tell? Do I want it to be the story of I I couldn't say no to me? Or do I want it to be the story I decided to say no to me? I mean, which story, which story do you want to tell? And see, you you have no idea what it is that God actually has in store for you, do you? I mean, neither do I, to be honest, right? None of us do. But I'll tell you this. Every single story that you've listened to over the course of these last seven weeks, every single story that touched your heart and made you say to yourself, you know, I hope that I can do that, or I hope that I can actually be that in the life of another person, every single one of those stories, none of them would have happened if it was all just about me. Right? Every single one of those stories began, big or small, every single one of those stories began with someone denying themselves. Saying no to their comfort. Saying no to their schedule. Saying no to their preference, to their time. To their wealth. Every single one of those stories, in each one of them, God was teaching someone that it's less about me and more about someone else. In every single one of those stories, God was teaching someone what it looks like and what it means to be a disciple. And not simply a consumer, to to sacrifice for the world. Now, God did that once and for all for, for all of us through Jesus on the cross, and He does that every single day through you when you actually deny yourself. And see, every single one of you, all of us, we have all been invited to be a part of this amazing story that God wants to tell. God is actually going to use you to help other people understand and know that they belong to him. God's actually going to use you to teach people what it means to believe in Jesus as their savior. God is actually going to use you to show people what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is the story that God is uh, of God working in our world, and that is the story that God wants to tell in your life and through you. And that is the story that always begins. When you and me when we actually deny ourselves, we follow we follow our Savior